to the Power of Five podcast with Glenn Blakeney. Join us for revelatory teaching as well as riveting discussions and guest interviews on all things fivefold ministry. My guest is Aline Caron, who is the author of an amazing book called Apostolic Centers. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, and just thank you for everyone to join in from everywhere. This this is my honor and privilege. Just want to let people know a little bit about you. You are the apostolic leader of the way. We'll say it in the path or the way in English. Le Chim, right? I, I'm Le Chimay. Le Chimay. Okay, thank you. That's how you say it. And then also the Hodas Apostolic Network as well. And so let's just get right into our discussion. We were talking about apostolic centers tonight. And I know in your book, Apostolic Centers, Shifting the Church and Transforming the World is the subtitle. Clearly, you were on a journey and you're not just a philosopher. You actually are a practitioner. You were involved in transitioning a local church into an apostolic center. So why don't you tell us about that? What what was that like for you and, and how did the Lord put that in your heart? Well, uh, let me first uh, say, Glenn, that uh, it's an honor to speak in uh, what you convene here because I've been watching you for many years and you're such a tremendous teacher yourself of the things of the kingdom that uh, all the topics I'm going to bring, I-, I know you you teach even better than I. So just maybe for me to come and reinforce what you're already teaching and the, the people you're gathering. So l- let's go into that because it is a, a, a history. It is, a, it is actually not only for me, but this is something the Holy Spirit is doing in the whole world. Any nation that I'm going and I've been in many, this is a, a re- form that the Lord brings to his church. For me, it started in a very simple way. I was saved out of the drug world. I was a cocaine addict, uh, radically saved by meeting Jesus in a tiny little church of about 20, 30 people. That church was so vibrant and anointed, but so small at the same time. And uh, I stayed in that church with my wife. We grew there We were well pastored, and I greet all the pastors here tonight. We are not against pastors. We are for pastors and for the whole body of Christ, and we love the church. And so we were well pastored, and uh, we grew in that church. I started full-time ministry one year and a half after I was out of the cocaine world. I was a cocaine dealer. I I became the director of a Christian school. And what happened is 12 years after I was saved, the founding pastors asked me and my wife to take the church, to become the pastors of the church as they were starting themselves to travel more and more. And they had now a vision that led them that way. So we took the church in 1999. By the way, I'm still in that church. I've never been in another church except for preaching and visiting and building. And But I'm still in the same church I was saved. And so I became the pastor in 99, 1999. And then the church started to grow from the faithful nucleus that those founding pastors had put in place. And by the way, those founding pastors are still with us. They're still today on my team, my apostolic team. So it's a family. But the church started to grow and uh, we were hungry. I was hungry for, for more. 
I love the church. The church was was uh, was good. It was steadily growing, but I wanted more. I think we all want more. And so what I had in my heart was to look at the book of Acts. So in uh, 2010 and 2011, for two years, we studied the book of Acts from Sunday to Sunday. And uh, it, what I discovered in that book was just revo- revolutionizing my conception of the church. It's in those two years that I discovered what I call today apostolic centers and the apostolic churches and the apostolic mandate. And and on the tracks of Apostle Paul, uh, I found that there was what I was looking for. So during those two years of teaching, teaching, teaching on the book of Acts, every Sunday, we were transformed. We were painting a picture that we started to desire and we wanted to migrate toward that picture. And so at the end of 2011, I, I said to the church, I think it was the uh, first Sunday of January or, or December 31st, I said, we have become an apostolic center. See, I didn't know it would become a term that now would be used. I was just speaking of my heart. We have become an apostolic center, like the church of Antioch. We want to be a sending base. And that's how it all started. And what happened is that a few months after that, Peter Wagner, uh, whom yeah. you certainly know, came, I didn't know him. I had read one book by him 10 years before that, Churchquake. And he was introduced to me by a friend, uh, Doug Schneider in Oshawa. And uh, he came to preach at our church. And I just explained to him our little journey. And I told him, I believe we have become an apostolic center. And he was very excited. He said, this is a proof of something I was tracking. And then the rest is story. I wrote a book about our journey, Apostolic Centers. Mm -hmm. And then it started to be published and translated in different languages. I think it's in seven or eight languages right now. I started to travel, write more books. And we developed as an apostolic center from that time. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and of course, I've read your books and uh, really enjoy them, and they benefited me so much too. So I just wanted to thank you for writing those books. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk a little bit about the difference between the conventional church today, and there are many great churches in the world, but what is the difference between the conventional church today and an apostolic church or an apostolic center? Yes. Well, there's a, a number we can identify. I'll start by maybe saying there's two great areas that we need to look for. One is a vision and a mandate. What is the mandate of the church? And then what is the structure of that church to carry that mandate? So, What we see traditionally, conventionally in most churches is what we call a pastoral mode, which is a good church. Very good. This is the church I was born in and and that saved uh, me and and kept me. A pastoral church is a, is a church that the set man, the pastor will do ministry to the congregation. So if you have a good pastor in place, which is the case I believe in most churches, Mm -hmm. um, this is a good place to be. 
this is a place to be taken care of, to be protected, and to receive food and teaching. This is a good place. A pastoral church is a place to gather the Christians and to uh, have fellowship Mm -hmm. and uh, take care of the congregation. While you look at an apostolic model, the apostolic mandate is also the pastoral mandate, but you enlarge it to consider that the kingdom is center. By the kingdom, we mean that God needs to rule everywhere, not just in the church. The church being the vehicle for him to expand his kingdom in the earth. Uh So when you have a clear apostolic mandate, then it means that you are no longer satisfied just to meet as a church and um, and uh, maintain the church. You want to see expansion. You want to see influence and impact in society and in the nations so that uh, God's kingdom will be known and will gain uh, to bring glory to Jesus. So, Two different mandates. One is to take good care of the believers. The other is to make of the believers disciples that will be sent out and uh, touch this world. In the apostolic mandate, it does not negate the pastoral mandate. It expands on it. For example, we know in Ephesians 4.11 that a fivefold team has been given to help the church to grow. And in that fivefold team, there is no way, no place that it gives uh, the pro- preeminence to the pastor. The pastor is part of the team. If right. there would be a emphasis on some of those fivefold, it would have to be on apostles and prophets, biblically. Ephesians uh-huh. 2.20 says you have been built on the foundations of apostles and prophets, Christ being the chief cornerstone. 1 Corinthians 12.28, and God put in, gave the church first apostles, second uh, prophet, third teachers, and so on. So when we understand the, the format, now I'm getting in the structure, right. the structure to develop to maturity the saints, to bring converts to discipleship, it needs a working of those fivefold gifts together. And then you have to talk of the role of the apostle and the prophets. Prophets, we talked uh, a lot about them in, in the years. What is n- more new now is the apostles. And so we see that the role of the apostle in that team is to empower and organize and also be a father to bring a cohesion so that we will not remain babies, but become mature sons and daughters. And this is how the kingdom can advance. If I can just mention that in the parables that Jesus gives in Matthew 13, in the second parable of the wheat and the tares, Jesus says that he is sowing and the seed this time is not the word of the kingdom like in the first parable, but the seed this time in that parable, the seed are the sons of the kingdom. Uh 
So if we want to have sons, which speaks of maturity, we need to grow the body to maturity. And the picture for that is in Ephesians 4, 11. So in an apostolic vision, you will find the influence of an apostle, but also a team around him. So the mandate will be clear to go and influence society for the kingdom of God. And the structure will be an apostolic team working together so that the whole body may grow and develop. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, that's that's something I really believe we've missed in in the church. You know, we have different churches that in in terms of the vision and the philosophy they have we have churches that feel well if you if your church has a lot of people then you must be compromising the truth and then we have mega churches that are very significant and influential in terms of having a lot of people and just the very fact that there's all the numbers of people that has clearly an influence but when we look at the Bible, particularly the book of Acts and the writings of Paul, we see a different paradigm. And and I sometimes refer to it this way. We see clearly in Ephesians 4, which you've already alluded to in verse 11, God gave the fivefold to equip. So the saints, the believers, the disciples would do the works of ministry, but also to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ, to to become mature sons. And, you know, Romans 8 says that he's the firstborn among many and that we were predestined to be conformed to his image and likeness. But I I think when we look at the mission, sometimes we say, well, you know, we're trying to get a lot of people in our Sunday services, our weekend services. We preach the gospel to them and we get them saved. And yet in in the New Testament, even though Jesus did preach to the multitudes, he did spend a lot of time with 70 and, and then 12 and, of course, even three. And I think the key here in this day in which we live is shifting to an apostolic paradigm, which is more about equipping and releasing believers to be the ministers, to go out into the marketplace and the world, all the different spheres of society to have that impact. So it's like the Lord is using this to recalibrate us back to the original apostolic mission. So when when we talk about um, equipping saints, as Ephesians 4.12 talks about, what what does that look like? What was Paul meaning when he talked about equipping there? Well, this is uh, actually the the topic that we need to really enter into. You see, we have been so used to think congregation, like you say, numbers, Sunday morning service, that we fail sometimes to see if this is efficient or not. You see, it's efficient for someone who is saved to join a good church. But is it efficient to bring the kingdom outside? Because the number does not necessarily reflect the power. You can have a a church uh, of 1,000 people, for example, if the vision of that church is to gather people on Sunday, then they come in, have the service, and, and disappear for the rest of the week and basically has not much impact on the city. 
Another church could be 300 people, and I'll come back now to the COVID soon, uh, can be 300 people and constantly release people in different walks of life and have a great influence and start churches and home groups and, and all that. And so like you said well, the Lord is alerting us, I believe, in this time of the COVID, uh, because the Lord is always able to use what the enemy does to turn it to his advantage. And he's saying to us, listen, I love my church, but this is time for a new development. Would you consider now that you have been restricted that the church can still go on? Mm-hmm. What has been restricted basically is a format, mm-hmm. is a Sunday morning format. That's basically it. For the rest, it's open. Mm-hmm. You can go, you can make disciples, you can do all that maybe you were not doing. So what we have done in, in our church, for example, is that we have uh, established 10 new house churches. Wow. See, we, we have a system. We have a, a main apostolic center with the apostolic team. We have two campuses also, which are more pastoral churches. We have churches uh, aligned with us from different nations. But what we have done with a central church, which is several hundred people, we have now created house churches. Wow. Because this is the way we need to go. Like, we have no choice. So yeah. we needed to consider that. We established 10 of them, which gather about 30 people each in the first time. And we still have to establish about 10 more to, to bring everybody that we have. So the church needs to adapt because... Mm. No, Jesus has never been confined except for three days. And after yeah. three days, he came out and he, and, and he reigns forevermore. Yeah. So we are in his footsteps. And the way it's going for us is probably the best we have ever been through. Wow. Although people suffer, we don't want to see people sick. But in terms of church advancing, this is so exciting. We have opened to become the central place in our city to uh, distribute food. We serve practically. Then we dispatch in houses. We yeah. go on Zoom like everybody. The church yeah. is growing. Yeah. So we keep giving and nourishing other nations. This is a good wow. time, really. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, thank you. You know, um, just quickly... Let's expand on this a little bit. You know, we have some pastors that struggle to really uh, release people in their church. And um, there, there's a lot of reasons for that. I know um, that sometimes it's fear. Um, I, I remember an occasion where a friend of mine was really concerned. He was very fearful about releasing people to minister in his church. He would train them and he would equip them, but he wasn't releasing them. Now, of course, the very word apostolic comes from the Greek apostelos, which has the idea of sending forth or sending out. Like the scripture in John twenty twenty seven, when Jesus said, as the father sent me, so send I you. So as the father apostelos me, I apostelos you. So Jesus was a master sender. So what would you say to the body of Christ right now about our responsibility to disciple people, and ultimately to send people out. Just speak into that, please. 
This is our great responsibility. It's tied to bringing sons to maturity so that they can be seeds in the harvest, which is the field, which is the world that belongs to Jesus. But we need to be practical about it. You see, we need to see people in our congregation as potential leaders. First of all, the main leader of the church has to have that uh, mindset search potential and and capacity in everyone that's in front of you because everyone needs to be developed. Do they show any sign that may look like one of the fivefold ministry? Even if they may not be a set-apart apostle or prophet or evangelist, do they have characteristics that make you think about that? And how can you favor that, not only in schools, but in the daily life of the church? So uh, so what, what do we do? For example, for us, we just uh, went through three days in his presence uh, about three, three weeks ago. Three days in his presence, the nine opportunities to teach. How many of those spots did I take to teach? I took zero. Wow. Because I want to train others. Okay. Now, I do teach on Sundays. So I had the opportunity to train nine different people to preach and teach. Awesome. Every occasion I can find, I want them to develop. Then if uh, one session, I provoked the prophetic. So I called people uh, and I, I, of course... The Lord has to help. Uh, and I said, you come here. I pray the Lord will give you a word. Speak a word to someone. So I provoke the prophetic. And then you watch it and you see, oh, this one is sensitive, this one. And then I put them in the hands of our main prophet and they develop them in the prophetic. So we have teacher, we have prophets. Then you try to identify those with an apostolic gift. Apostolic gifts are easy to spot. They always come to you with projects that are almost impossible to do, but they are pumped with their vision. They want to break outside the box. Some people think they are rebellious. They might be, but in other cases, they are not rebellious. They are just full of an apostolic vision. So empower them and release them, and you will develop these kind of gifts. You will train them. Um, Teachers are easy to spot. They always uh, start a conversation by the Bible says. So the people that the Bible says, I say, okay, you're a teacher. I need to find places where you can grow in your teaching gift. Other people are clearly pastoral. They come to you and they're always concerned for somebody. They're always concerned for that couple, for that family. They're always burdened. They might be intercessors too. But the pastoral want to take care of them. See, I'm not very pastoral. If you yeah. come to me with your problem, after five minutes, I look around and that because I, I think I got it in five minutes and I see that you will need help. And I'm thinking, who can help this good person here? Yeah. And what a pastoral person loves that. A pastoral person will say, tell me more about it. Yeah. And how was your dad when you were young? Can yeah. we meet another time to talk about it more? When you see people like that, you develop them as pastoral people. Not yeah. necessarily set-apart pastor, but right. you need a pastoral team. Right. So in our apostolic center, the pastoral team is the largest team because yeah. the body of Christ needs a lot of good care. So yeah. you need a pastoral team. We have an apostolic team. We have a prophetic team. We have a team of teachers. So... Training people in the daily life and then encouraging them to use their gift and capacity 
outside of the local church right. or the apostolic center, because that's the other problem. Everyone wants to serve the Lord inside the structure right. of the building of the church. Exactly. You can send them out. Exercise yeah. your gift and your heart where you work with your neighbors. Like, I'll tell you something. During the pandemic, we tell we told people, put a sign and say, Jesus, you're welcome in this house. Put that outside of your house. So neighbors will know that your house is not confined to Jesus. And then one of them went in front of her block. It's a three or four stories apartment block. And she had the neighbors come out on the balcony. <laughs> wow. And she were she was on the sidewalk. She was doing dances like Zoom dances, exercise. <laughs> and then she preached the gospel and had them sing gospel songs. So the people had nothing to do. They're confined in their little boxes, apartments. So yeah. it's all film. We have it's. There's no limit to what you can do. <laughs> when you have vision, when you know you are to impact the world and not just keep people together. But to send them out, mm -hmm. people are very creative. Hello, everyone. Have you heard of my new podcast called The Power of Five, where we talk about all things fivefold ministry? This is Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministries. I encourage you to join us each week as we bring some of the most knowledgeable kingdom leaders from around the globe into the studio to chat about this current season of Reformation and specifically how the restoration of the fivefold ministry plays such an integral role in what the Lord is doing to restore and raise up a glorious church in these days. Hallelujah. So guys, please subscribe to The Power of Five on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And would you also consider leaving a review, rating the podcast, and sharing on social media with your friends? Together, let's recover the glory of the Lord as we contend for reformation, revival, the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth. for listening to the Power of Five podcast. Be sure to visit kingdomcommunity.global to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our awesome bonus content. See you next time on the Power of Five.